0: This is the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. In each episode, we spotlight the numerous efforts around the state by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Dave Brandt was an Ohio farmer who made a huge impact on the world of soil health. His sudden passing last year left a hole in the farming community. On this episode, we're at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference, reflecting on Dave's legacy with his son, Jay, and one of Dave's many mentees, Jimmy Emmons from Oklahoma. Here's your host, Elise Koning.
1: Hello and welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast. My name is Elise Koning and I am here live at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference. I'm sitting with Jimmy Emmons and Jay Brandt and it's an honor to have them here to talk about the Dave Brandt Memorial Lecture Series and um, we want to talk about what their role in conservation is and how Dave Brandt has influenced them in that journey. So Jimmy and Jay, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you.
1: To start out with, tell us a little bit about your role in soil health systems and uh, where you're from, your background in farming.
3: Yeah, I can start, uh, of course, being uh, David Brandt's son. We're located in central Ohio, just outside of uh, the Columbus metropolitan area. Uh, in Fairfield County, uh, we're kind of at the edge of uh, the glacial area there in Ohio, so we have to deal with a little bit of that glacial till and rubble in the soil, high to mid-clay-type loam soils there. So um, we have been involved in what we call conservation agriculture probably since uh, the early 70s on that. uh, When my dad began farming on his own, uh, the ground we would call H-E-L, highly highly erodible soils, right? So he was very concerned about erosion and loss of topsoil. So we began utilizing conservation practices with waterways, using um, green manures at the time, right? To control hillsides and things of that nature. Uh, Eventually, uh, through uh, Dad's association with others, he noticed the improvement in soil quality and crop performance utilizing these practices and, again, the increasing adoption of no-till, uh, again, to stabilize the soil. So all those practices led uh, and gave Dad the opportunity to uh, share those learnings with other people and to be really an advocate for conservation or no-till and those types of cropping systems. So I grew up experiencing that, and I thought that that's what everybody did. Uh, <laughs> uh, even when I got out of, uh, you know, primary school, uh, worked in industry for several years before returning to the farm and learning that it, you know, still had not become a highly adopted practice, uh, basically by working with my father again and going through basically the same training classes that he had done 20 years earlier. So Uh, We're very pleased to be able to participate with him in continuing the farming tradition. Uh, My sons are are taking over the farm operation and also are very good uh, adept speakers to that conservation practice as well. And our goal has always been to share our experiences and help other people walk through how they can adopt the best practices in their system. So to be a kind of a network uh, resource Uh, and a companion in this journey.
1: Thanks Jay, and let's turn to Jimmy now. What's your background in the soil health system world?
2: So I started down the soil health road uh, about 14 and a half years ago uh, when I met this guy at a conference. Uh, Big, big gentleman with the bib overalls on and and he was on stage uh, talking about cover crops and what cover crops had done for him in Ohio and uh, I just happened to notice that it was Dave Brandt up on the stage. And so after that uh, presentation of his, I uh, went up to talk to him later and uh, asked him uh, you know, if he thought something like that could work in Oklahoma, where I'm from. Uh, I currently work for Trust and Food out of Kansas, uh, far, part of the Farm Journal family. Uh, and that started a relationship with, with Dave. Uh, that lasted uh, uh, all through the years here. Um, and what he uh, shared with me is, Jimmy, I don't know that it'll work there, and you don't know it'll work there. And the only way we're going to know if it's going to work there, is if you'll you'll go home and plant something and try it. He says, I think it'll work. Uh, I've seen it work everywhere. But once again, just go home and try it and uh it was it was words of wisdom Uh, and through that journey now uh, we've come a long long way and we've been able to share our journey uh, because dave shared his journey and i always kind of laughed and and told him he was kind of the barber mandrell of of soil health because he was doing it when uh, that wasn't cool and there was, he was the pioneer that started it all, so to speak, uh, because nobody was doing that. And, and he was a pioneer in trying to get no-till started with several companies and, and working with drills and stuff. And it uh, was a great wealth of knowledge for us, and uh, it's really helped us in our journey
1: so let's talk about that phrase go home and try it because that is a common phrase that i have heard as i've talked to different uh, farmers and agricultural professionals who are involved in this world i'll point the question to each of you um, what happens when you go home and try it what have your uh, trials been with these systems
2: so i I guess i'll i'll start with that jay Uh, when when i went home I panicked my family uh, because we're in a limited rainfall area, in about 14 to 18 inches. Sometimes I say give or take 20 inches because that's the way our weather pattern is anymore. And the the sediment around home was, you know, we won't be able to raise cover crops because we can't hardly raise a crop. And so I, I took Jay, I mean I took Dave's word to try it and do side-by-side comparisons. And uh, I also ask NRCS and the conservation districts, uh, Noble Research as partners to help me gather the data and to prove if it worked or if it didn't and learn from that, because I was convinced to make it work. Uh, I wasn't just gonna try it, I was gonna make it work. Uh, And with all them partners, we started gathering great data and then we started proving that We had more water in the profile instead of less after a cover crop and since then we we grow multiple crops now and have had a a very successful time but side-by-side comparisons in the field uh, taught us a lot it taught us about how to manage population of the cover crops and the species of the cover crops and what done well in our area and what didn't and then sometimes the ones that didn't this year may be done well next year and so it's it's that eyes on the ground boots in the field uh, to observe and watch and learn.
3: Our experience you know from uh, has been similar uh, to what Jimmy expressed there. Uh, As I mentioned you know we had the opportunity to uh, when dad was starting in the no-till operation and looking at how to reduce erosion post-crop harvest uh, was to explore different types of what we call green manures, right? At the time, that would have been incorporated traditionally, right? But since we were doing no-till practice, uh, they would just be allowed to either mature or desiccate in the field. So as we started with mostly winter kill species for ease of management on that. So peas uh, was a common thing. My dad did a lot of work with very late maturity soybeans because they were readily accessible. Uh, And there's some great stories behind that, that, uh, you know, For the memoirs later on. But uh, uh, again, that was easy entry. Oats uh, and winter kill cover crops are a great way to get started. Uh, We traditionally have the opposite issue that Jimmy experiences. We have way too much rain, especially in the spring. Uh, So, in dealing with uh, winter annuals like cereal rye, uh, because of their ability to respire, the moisture out of the soil really helps us get better soil conditions and allows us to plant in a timely manner. So those are things we're looking for uh, is the the way for these soils or the plants to respire uh, water where Jimmy is more concerned about building that organic matter for moisture retention. And that's one thing we've learned as we're we're building up this organic matter. Uh, Now we're compounding our issue. We have a lot of water in the soils, and so we're experiencing some other challenges because of this water retention. Uh, For us with the clay soils and difficulty with drainage, uh, you know a systematic tile and stuff like that is very helpful in our scenario where it's not as important Where some you don't experience those same issues so there's always those conversations you know all the you know so the plants are supposed to respire that out and you have more open air in the soil you shouldn't need tile okay sure yeah well you know when you get 40 inches of rain it's 40 inches of rain so that's <laughs> a whole different story uh, so we have to use those techniques you know, that are going to work as a system approach uh, from that. And that's been really a new thing as we look at expanding the soil health principles. Context is very important and maybe primary where you have to look at your context first. Jimmy's context in a more arid, fragile environment is different than ours uh, from that. So we have to keep that in our mind as we look at these practices and principles uh, Dad was always very excited about going to the conferences in January uh, to be able to chat with other farmers, see what was working, what those challenges were, and utilize those best practices and take that little uh, kernel, right, and to take his latest, tech you know, is to plant that seed, find that kernel, plant that seed, and get it to develop into a crop from that. So that's, and it was his thing was, you know, I'm going to give you the seed and what i'm talking about it's up to you to take it home and make a a viable crop out of it
1: that excitement is something i felt as soon as i walked into the building here i got here during one of the morning networking sessions and farmers were talking with company representatives with other farmers about all these ideas jay you mentioned your father being very excited about ideas that he brought home from the conference Tell me about one of the ideas that he was most excited about and what happened when you implemented it.
3: Oh, gosh. I think as Jimmy mentioned, you know, seeing Dad talk at some places, was probably no-till on the plains, uh, which was one of probably Dad's favorite events to go to just because of the challenges that are kind of unique out there and his ability to kind of pair that against what we were experiencing. And I know it was because there's just a lot more grazing out in the plains uh, and the use of the summer annuals and the more complex seed mixes because prior you know our agronomist said you can't put two things together they'll compete for nutrients and all this stuff and to that effect dad actually purchased you know the splitter planter to plant 15 inch rows where he could alternate peas and radish because gosh if you planted them together neither would survive right so eventually we got to the point where we're doing these studies then engaged with you know other innovators like Ray Archuleta and Gay Brown that put together uh, an SARE program for us to look at the benefits and, and negatives of multi-species mixes. So we learned quite a bit from that. So that was something that he probably would not have had a lot of courage to go forward unless he was challenged by you know that use and saw the benefits of it in other areas. So that would be the big experience for us to get over. The, the two species blend in paired rows to go to just using the grain drill with more multi-species and just to really learn and see, observe the benefits from that practice.
1: We're here live at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference. I'm speaking with Jimmy Emmons from Oklahoma and Jay Brandt from Ohio. They're speaking in a conference uh, presentation tomorrow. I want to turn now to Jimmy and talk about Dave Brandt's legacy for you. When you went to the conferences, were you able to have some good conversations with him? And what were the results of those conversations back on the farm?
2: Well, I never had a bad conversation with Dave. Uh, we always had a lot of fun together, and his uh, big, bolsterous laugh uh, was, was um, really allowed uh, in the conference. Um, and, you know, a lot of people uh, always thought that, and even as I started just going and traveling and speaking like Dave did, that, that speakers came to teach and share what they were doing, but all of us go to learn. And we learn from others. We're we're not the experts, and and I think that was one of Dave's really strong suits that he he uh, taught me was to be humble and to uh, always try to learn and and learn to you know for as long as you live because that's uh, if you're not learning you're backing up. And so the great conversations that that we had was like, what are you trying that's crazy this year? Uh, are you mixing different things in? And like we heard Roy Falsgraf talk a while ago about planting rice in northeastern uh, or western Colorado uh, in a very, very arid environment. Who would have thought about planting rice in that dry area and it's working? And so the conversations that, that, that Dave and I had sometime were philosophical, but most of the time it was... Uh, challenging one another uh to try something out of the norm uh, that we've never tried before and i know this last year uh they were able to have a, a partner come in and bring animals uh, on the brant farm and, and start grazing uh and he was most excited about the grazing project that that they initiated and uh being a cattleman and, and part of the reason i got into cover crops besides Dave was. I wanted to look at the grazing option of that, and it's uh, worked out very, very well for us. Especially, we always grazed in the winter time on on winter uh, winter wheat, winter rye, uh, but then we started grazing warm season mixes, and so we uh, tried to graze 365 around, and and uh, so that's uh, the great conversations that we had were were a lot of fun a lot of laughter and 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 challenge one another uh what are you going to try this year so i i uh, will always remember that and uh, really have enjoyed uh, the time with the brants and learning uh uh, you know from ohio to oklahoma is a big difference as we talked about uh, almost double rainfall versus uh, where i'm at but it's been successful uh And I was really honored uh, about three years ago um, with NRCS coming out and evaluating our soil. And Dave was one of the the first ever that changed his soil type uh, from its original classification uh, with NRCS. And uh, my soil scientist came out. We were having a big uh, field day and had uh, Indigo Ag. We had about 50 agronomists there. And uh, my soil scientist was digging and he looked and he said, oh my gosh, Jimmy, uh, this soil has changed so much in the last five years uh, since I've really looked at it. I think we ought to look at reclassifying your soil. And so to have the mentor of Dave that was the first to get his soil reclassified and to have the honor that he helped me uh, achieve that was uh, very special.
1: Jay, I'd like to hear more about this soil type reclassification. How did it start out and what kind of process did it take in order to get there?
3: Golly. Uh, So we had primarily around our farm is cardington clay type, which is a yellow high iron content, uh, poorly drained uh, clay loam type soil. So and really, uh, my dad has been farming, uh, you know, that farm where the homestead is now for, oh, about 50 years. So it's 50-year, you know, continuous no-till. Um, traditionally, we had livestock, so we had wheat in a rotation for a straw. Uh, that was the primary reason. Again, you know, poverty grass is, you know, the common acronym for wheat. And my dad was pretty adept, though, uh, using a lot of, again, through the conferences, of getting very good yielding wheat Uh, it was generally it was not a crop loss for us because of the benefit of the straw as well as the grain quality was usually pretty good so um, we enjoyed growing wheat Uh, it was all part of the the process there so i think that's you know one of the big things for us is the crop rotation uh, and the ability then to add the cover crops that we were doing in there uh, to increase uh, the original yellow clay which had about you know one one and a half percent organic matter content up to what we're measuring today in between three to five percent depending on where you pull a sample. So, and it changed the color also to a very dark brown, almost black color. So that's where we have this classification difference because it's no longer poorly drained cardican clay to, you know, a moderately loamy uh, soil type that they really haven't put a new name to. They've just classified it as a different performing product right now.
1: What did that do for your crops?
3: Primarily, it's resiliency against variations in climate, right? So we have the ability to absorb rainfall, uh, so we're not getting crusting of the soil, uh, we're not getting ponding, and the retention of moisture in the uh, droughty times is much better. So we experience very little stress from droughty times, uh, so that's the great thing we have is that resiliency. Uh, Like to say, they're always two weeks away from drought. So we always are are conscious of that. So I think it's crop resiliency mostly. Uh, We don't have like the top performing uh, soils in the area, but we're able to really look at our our crop and budget planning knowing that we're going to perform in a certain area based on what type of inputs that we have in a crop rotation.
1: So Jimmy, you are one of the presenters at the David Brandt Memorial Lecture tomorrow morning. What will you be presenting on?
2: We're going to talk about the things that that Dave inspired us to to do and uh, talk about uh, how that legacy of his is is spread out uh, across the the country. Uh, uh, I I met a young man here last night just at random uh, that Dave had started uh, a few years ago being a mentor uh, to and uh, Dave was at a meeting uh, one time later, a few years after he got this young guy started, and uh, this guy come up and said, I bet you never thought you'd be farming 200 some thousand acres, or assisting in farming 200 some thousand acres, and Dave said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I kind of done some quick math of everybody in here uh, that you've been helping, and uh, that, that math comes up to about 200,000 acres, and so we're, we're going to talk about that legacy and uh, how Dave, uh, just out of the goodness of his heart, and uh, him and his wife, Kendra, of sharing and, and their sacrifices that they made uh, to travel and uh, 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 share what they had learned to help others. And, and that mentality of, of helping one another, uh, you know, this country needs more of that. And uh, I think that's a, a really good attribute that, that they had uh, in doing that and have helped a lot of us. So we, we want to continue that uh, as we talk and as we share. And tomorrow, as, as we uh, talk about that in the series, we're going to share some personal things uh, that Dave helped each one of us with. Uh, and much like Jay, uh, we learned a lot uh, from him and uh, we want to pass that
1: on. Jay I do want to ask you now about conversations you had with your dad much as Jimmy had conversations with your dad. What were those conversations like in working with him on the farm?
3: A little bit more personal maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <I> imagine. <laughs> yeah um, so at, when I came back, you know, obviously I was working away from the farm for a little while and moved back. So a lot of it was to reintroduce myself into, you know, what he was doing uh, and some of the whys and how he got to that position. So that was, again, the big learning uh, from that for me to come back to understanding this difference. Uh, you know, my education is in chemical manufacturing from that, uh, that type of background. Uh, and it fits really well in with what we've learned recently. Uh, about uh, soil anatomy, uh, soil chemistry, the interaction of microorganisms and macroorganisms, uh, how it is more of a systematic approach. So I was very fortunate uh, that having that background in industry and my experience in product development and uh, product marketing to see how that all fits together. And so between our conversations, we'd be able to connect the dots. You know, he'd say, I talked to Jimmy about this and then Ray Archuleta. There's something in common about that. And I'd be able to say, well, let's talk about those things. And we'd find out what is that commonality. So then he'd say, how does that impact what we're doing? And we'd find that commonality then as well. Or how we could adopt that, take that little grain, right? Take the seed and get it started in what we were doing. Uh, I'm very fortunate that, again, dad was really supportive Of myself and our entire family so that we always really were really supportive of each other I think and Jimmy would attest that again his uh, compassion for others was really a part of his experience from that um, and it really showed through in that so uh, the idea was how do we share what we have uh, as well as the support that he gave to each one of us that was closest to him
1: And support seems to be the common theme among what we're talking about today. What does Dave Brandt's support for you mean to you today?
2: Well, it means I'm here uh, and I'm very profitable, uh, where I don't think I would have been if I'd stayed doing what I've always done. Uh, I got out of my uh, comfort zone. I got my family out of their comfort zone. And a lot of my community met fellow farmers and friends around me out of their comfort zone that experienced something new uh, that was very old because, you know, God's been doing this since the beginning, taking care of land. And uh, we went through as a, a world of destruction of soil. And uh, this rebuilding and, and regenerating it, uh, back to its, its uh, existence of where it was before is uh, quite rewarding. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's uh, very moving when you're out in the field and uh, you, you hear it's just alive. The insects and the, the birds and the wildlife are just, just buzzing, cattle are grazing, plants are growing and then you go to someone else's farm and it's just total silence. Uh, it's just something that if you don't experience that, um, you, I don't know how to describe it uh, without you know, that experience. So it's, it's something that, that's really brought us to another level uh, that, that we have never been at. And uh, we're, we went from growing two to three crops to growing 14 crops in a big rotation. In uh, multiple crops and doing companion cropping and uh, polycropping and and different things, how we everything grows together, and it's much like what Jay was just talking about. Uh, the community of force of knowledge is always more than than the single. That's the way it is in plants. We've we've learned that plants love to grow together, and if you look in a uh, all over the world, you never see Mother Nature having a single tree or a single grass growing together. And what we've done as humans tried to enforce a single species into a system that was designed to be alive and very diverse. And so being able to put that back in play has really changed us. It's changed our minds. It's changed our lives. And we're trying to reflect that out to others. Uh, and I think once someone sees that, uh, you can't unsee it. And, and I've never seen anybody that's experienced that uh, that's went back to where they were. Uh, even uh, the, the great author, David Montgomery, uh, wrote lots of great books but his presentation and his writing changed when he saw it in his own garden, in his own backyard, in his own soil. Uh, and I told him that. And, and I think that's very powerful of Dave's legacy of how we spread that out. And, and uh, I think he'd be pretty proud of uh, his children all over the country in doing that.
3: Right, and just to build on what Jimmy was saying there, again, Dad's whole idea and why he wanted to share was to help build other people up, right? So we want to take agriculture as an industry uh, and build it up and make it uh, as great as it can be. Uh, to take the individual producer, give them confidence and resiliency in their practice. Uh, so that was the big thing that we want to continue to go forward and that we are really you know happy about what happens here at the National No-Till Conference, at the No-Till on the Plains, and in other organizations. Uh, one of the last projects that Dad was working on was in the, the southern Wisconsin area, in the Driftless region, with the uh, Dominican Sisters at Cincinnati. And we're in the process there of developing a regional uh, center for agriculture information based on soil health, regenerative practices, uh, basically a community of resource for people to improve their practice and the resiliency there. So we're very excited about getting uh, the fields of Cincinnati up and running uh, as a real vision for what our culture can be and, and the vision of what dad had and the information that he shared.
1: Jimmy Emmons from Oklahoma, Jay Brandt from o- Ohio. They are speaking at the David Brandt Memorial Lecture Series here at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference. If there was one word that you would use to describe Dave Brandt's legacy, what would it be?
2: One word. That's that's kind of hard for, for Dave. Uh, uh, one word would be... Uh, Happiness, I think, uh, because he had great joy in helping others and seeing the system come alive.
3: In sharing, I think, is the, the idea that I have. His, uh, again, in his talks and in his mentorship, it was all about sharing, sharing his experience, his ideas, in uh, getting more of a community thought process together, uh, as well as the idea that uh, support is there. Uh, He was someone that you could call and talk to. He would answer the phone uh, very freely. So that idea of support and sharing uh, in that close relationship concept.
1: So happiness, sharing. Why are these words so important and why is it important for Dave Brandt's legacy to keep moving forward for the future?
3: So where we are in agriculture today, there's a lot of challenges. a lot of pressure for performance especially for the young farmers coming up. Uh, I think dad recognized that uh, as being a, a young farmer himself who had just lost his father. Uh, he knew the pressures of society on performance and what that meant for young people. So uh, also having served you know in the military th- through a war effort he was aware of you know the the challenge in mentally remaining in, in a whole, from that standpoint. So he was very aware and cognizant of those challenges and wanted to provide that support structure for people so they would have the self confidence to be successful.
2: You know, I, I think of modern day ag right now, and, and we're probably in, a, if you look at the statistics, um, and it's kind of a tough thing to talk about, but, but suicide is probably at some of its highest peaks. Uh, right now in agriculture because of challenges that's, that's happening before our eyes. And so sharing and happiness, uh, I think, is a, a, a good legacy uh, to show that, you know, if you build a system, there's, op- there's opportunity uh, for legacy in that system and uh, how we help someone that sees there's no way out, that there is a way out uh, to do that. And uh, if you listen around, you talked about this when you, you opened up today about all the chatter and all the, the laughter and, uh, and all the conversations going on in here. There's no one here that I've, I've talked to that's a uh, uh, Debbie Downer today. It, it's, it's all about excitement of what's possible and, uh, and, and the next level. Uh, we just heard a great talk a while ago from, from Roy Falsgraf Uh, that talked about uh, doing very uh, well in a 4-inch to 10-inch rainfall with multiple crops. No one would ever thought that you could do that in that environment uh, without a living root as long as you can. And so I think there's lots that we have to learn. We, We know more about Uh, going to the moon and we know about uh, what's under our feet and uh, that that living biology study will uh, probably outlive Jay and I here of what we really know below the ground Uh, but if we don't start uh, we won't learn and and what Dave was able to do was open Pandora's box about looking deeper and understanding uh, there's more to this than just us on top planting a seed and, and trying to grow a crop. And he was very good um, at talking about planting a seed where it's a seed of thought, uh, a seed of corn, but if you, you never underestimate the power of a seed that you plant. And I think that's a, a great legacy that, that will go on for a long time.
1: As we start to wrap up, I want to think about those farmers out there who are maybe experiencing some of those struggles that Jimmy mentioned, or they're looking at this no-till system and saying, is this really going to work for me? What advice would you provide for them, and what kind of encouragement would you like to give them?
3: So again, that there's lots of help out there. Um, we have great organizations like we're at today. And... The classrooms themselves are really not the high point. Uh, It's being in the hallway and chatting with uh, folk from the next door state or the state over um, and getting some of their inputs and ideas. So it's relationship building. That's all part of it. So uh, participate in these events, Um, even if it's more local than this national program. uh, There's a lot of local programs through NRCS and the Soil and Water Districts or other such organizations. So uh, find that network. Find some mentor that is very helpful and and know that those resources are there. And start with one step at a time.
2: Yeah, I would totally agree. And Dave and I had this conversation, you know, when he started in the 70s, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there was no WhatsApp uh, that several of us are in. Now, and TikTok, and I could go on, there's multiple, multiple platforms, podcast, radio shows uh, that he didn't have then that we have now. Uh, so, there's, there's lots of expertise out there. There's lots of fellowship out there. There's lots of learning that you can do from the tractor cab on your phone, on YouTube, uh, that because... People like Dave started, it has really grown now that there's lots of resources for you out there, and you're not alone. And uh, my granddad, when we had cotton back in the day, always told me about leaning into the row uh, when we were chopping the weeds out of the, out of the cotton. And, and I asked him one day, I said, what do you mean by leaning into the row? And he said, as long as you're putting one foot forward and leaning into it, if you fall, where are you going to fall? And you're going to fall forward. And if you're overwhelmed and you're leaning backwards and you stumble, you're going to fall backwards. So always lean into the role whatever you do. And I really think
3: that's good advice.
1: Jimmy Emmons, Jay Brandt, do you have any final words as we close out the podcast?
3: Golly. Uh, Again, I think it's as I mentioned before, uh, Dad would always encourage folks to do something, right? Do something on your farm to learn, and it will grow from there.
2: I always end uh, my talks with Long Live the Soil. I uh, trademarked that a few years ago uh, for a reason uh, because it has to. Uh, Without soil, we have no food, we have no water, we have no existence. So, I think uh, Long Live the Soil would be a good place to quit.
1: Thank you so much for your words of wisdom and for sharing your experiences with Dave Brandt, who left a lasting impression on so many. Thank you. Thank you. We're recording here at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference. Thanks again to Jimmy and Jay for joining us. If you have not been to a National No-Tillage Conference before, definitely check out the 2025 conference and coming up next January. If you have any questions about that, you can find more information online at HoosierAgToday.com. For Hoosier Ag Today, I'm Elise Koning. Thanks for joining us.
0: This episode of the Hoosier Ag Today Soil Health Podcast has been brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. You can learn more about their efforts and see a schedule of events at ccsin.org. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, create your riches below the surface with healthy soil.